listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and ForFame.com. It is Sunday, December 4th, 2022, and after offering podcast 106, The Astropsychology of Life and the Great Beyond, Part 2, we now present Out of Bounds, Two Guys Talking Sports and Astrology, with Wayne Moody and Mark Lerner, entitled The Astrology of the USA and the World, November 2022 to January 2023, Part 2. So this new podcast, including numerous key stories with astrological significance in this sixth episode of Out of Bounds, is focused on the big picture of the first ever Pluto return in Capricorn to the USA using our national birth chart from the Declaration of Independence on July 4th, 1776, and happening three times this year, 2022, plus the transit of Neptune and Pisces making its first opposition in 164 years to the USA, Neptune, and Virgo during 2021-2022, plus Mars now retrograde in Gemini from October 30th, 2022, to January 2023, with the red planet especially making a several-week transit over the always profound and often surprise-bringing radical change agent USA Uranus placement during most of January 2023. Uh, charts, uh, particularly for our last podcast, include the USA horoscope and an astrolocality world map based on the USA horoscope. So overall, and this is two parts. We're going to do an an hour plus and another hour plus. This is podcast number 107 offered to the public since May 2019. How are you doing, Wayne? Oh, I'm doing great, Mark. Okay. And we are on Sunday of a Neptune not moving stationary weekend, and we'll probably talk a little bit more about that. So I know you have a first... uh, there's a story that sort of broke over this weekend. We're going to start with that and see where we go. So why don't you bring that up? Well, Mark, um, when did you calculate that uh, Neptune was uh, uh, moving direct? Okay, it was about yesterday, Saturday. It was like four something in the afternoon. Again, these are all coming from the good old Jet Propulsion Laboratory. It's all in these different ephemerides. Yeah, but it was about 4 o'clock something yesterday afternoon. And one of the little comments before you say what you're going to say, if all of you out there work like Wayne and I, and, and we realize a lot of you don't, we have these ephemerides that are kind of our Bibles. Uh, a couple of them are like 100-year ephemerides, and over the course of time, they, some of them were smaller. So we're all this information of the exact timing of, let's say, a planet stopping to go retrograde or planet stop and go forward, all have specific exact times based on mathematics and all these things. However, the reality is these energies often build up for a couple of days, then hit the peak of the exact station, in this case, Neptune, stopping its retrograde motion to go direct. So what you're going to bring up, today is Sunday, and the reality is Neptune hasn't gone anywhere in the last 24 hours. It hasn't moved for the last... 48 or 72 hours, not going to move again tomorrow, the next day, it's basically not moving. So please present, you know, this first one, which I think is a a pretty extraordinary little story. 
Well, um, and that's why, uh, Mark, I asked you to give that uh, big picture uh, uh, for for our listeners. The fact that, that Neptune is basically, it is standing still from the perspective of the Earth. And mm-hmm. when we... Um, we astrologers use the horoscope. Uh, we're looking at transits and progressions, and we're looking at uh, the, the timing in which when events happen uh, for different purposes. Now, uh, when I use um, as a mundane astrologer, and I look at um, transits into the future and and progressions into the future, uh, I'm looking at it from a predictive perspective for example mm-hmm. uh in that pluto making its return astrologers could have seen that 50 years ago <laughs> mark, right. mark could have seen the very beginning of his uh a long journey as an astrologer me 40 years ago but you know it's not it, it's it's not it's not a priority at that time 50 years out we're going to have this planet returning uh, how about 20 years out? How about 10 years out? Well, uh, women want to know when they're going to give birth nine months out. About right. nine months. So Mark and I have been looking at this for a long time. And they're, they're, so it's very important for us uh, when we have these celestial events that are rare and they're hitting charts. And by hitting charts, I mean um, the Neptune station in the sky is... Mm-hmm. almost exactly opposite the United States Neptune position. Right. And so, you know, I'm not giving you numbers here and I'm not giving you degrees here because I don't want that fuzziness to enter into what what picture I'm trying to paint here. Just see that where Neptune is in the sky right now today is opposite where it was in 1776, July 4th, when the country was established. Right. And so that is a milestone, given that it takes Neptune 165 years to make an orbit around the sun. So it's quite an event in the history of this country, which is only 245 years old. So here's what, here's what was astonishing over the last 24 hours, 48 hours is that a former president of the United States comes out and says that the Constitution of the United States needs to be terminated and that he should be reinstated as president of the United States. Well, today, this morning, uh, as I was checking the news, I noticed that there was this this article on um, uh, Teddy Roosevelt and how there are parallels between Teddy Roosevelt and the former president of the United States, 45th president of the United States of the United States in their horoscopes. And in this moment with respect to the constitution. And so Mark, I know you're my spinning already because you already know all these uh, linkages and connections. So we're, we're just going to uh, unpack a few for the listener and try to not make it so uh, rocket science complex. 
um, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, and I teed up his horoscope, uh, was born just before the American Civil War in 1858, October 27th. He's the son Scorpio. And what is important in his chart with respect to the United States chart and with respect to uh, Donald J. Trump's chart is that he has uh, a planet in his horoscope supposedly rising because um, the, the people who certified uh, Teddy Roosevelt's horoscope gave a B rating, A rating, AA rating is the highest, A rating is next. B means there's something wrong with this information, we're not sure. In other words, it didn't come from a birth certificate or it didn't come from a, uh, a family member, first-hand witness. Well, uh, Teddy Roosevelt has 20, 21 degrees Gemini rising. 21 degrees Gemini in the horoscope of the United States is its Mars position. And 22 degrees Gemini is the sun position of the former 45th president of the United States. Now, the connection that was made was that he, Teddy Roosevelt, tried to run for office a second time. And that he formed his own party, the Bull Moose Party, and that he was strident, well, you know, the age of Teddy Roosevelt was the age of the macho man. It was the age of the rough rider and the, the manly man and build yourself up and the hunter, yeah. and conservative and all conservationists and all those things. And so it was really um, bare knuckles politics back in those days. Well, it seems to resemble the politics of today. And the, um, the, the, the martial qualities of um, the politics of the day. And we have a president who seems to have taken a page out of Teddy Roosevelt's playbook. However, this okay. president further. Yeah, one more thing. I'm going to tie in the Constitution. This president has gone a step further and says, suspend the Constitution, in order for me to be put in back reinstated, that would mean it would be a constitutional crisis. Go ahead, Mark. Okay, the one thing um, I believe you left out, just to make sure, um, Jupiter in the for, uh, Teddy Roosevelt's chart is at 21 plus a Gemini, is it not? Yes, yes I said that. Uh, well, you said the ascendant or the rising with the, no, uh, no. you know, the, the, the B Jupiter. rating that he... Jupiter is rising above his ascendant in a chart. We're not exactly sure whether it's right. time. Right. Yeah, but what's most important is he definitely has Jupiter at 21 plus a Gemini, regardless of the time. That's and that, correct. as you said, and okay, so that, because you, um, just so you know, folks, Wayne sent me other information, because we're trying to be succinct here, about um, what, what, the form, what Teddy Roosevelt did becoming the first kind of international this is like this is wayne's information to me earlier going with his wife going overseas um this is wayne's forte um going to particular places we're not going to get into all those details now but i mean this is what wayne does um all the time and that we share in the background 
where he will share various texts and emails with maps that are very meticulous. And again, this is the reminder that both of us have been in the last two issues of GPS Astrology, which is on the Great Bear Enterprises website. You can read both former issues. We always come out at the full moon. Wayne's articles are in there, my articles. We've got a whole bunch of other people. It's brand new. Uh, August 11th at a full moon, we came out with one of them. And you can read this online, and you can subscribe and get into it, see all of Wayne's stuff and my stuff. So one was August 11th at a full moon. The other one was October 9th. The next one is January 6th. Oddly enough, two years to the day of the insurrection date, the Capitol is a full moon. And maybe we'll make comments on that in part two. January 6th, 2023 is a full moon, which is going to feed into some of the stuff we're going to talk about, about where Mars is going to be for those first couple of weeks of January. And we already did this in like the last two of our podcasts. But what I what I guess I wanted to say, I have two a couple of just quick comments, because I did actually wind up reading the article that you sent, you know, about the situation. And I found it absolutely fascinating. Uh, this would lead into a future out of bounds, because I have studied Teddy Roosevelt as has Wayne from all kinds of perspectives. And what I wanted to bring up, because I was reading the author saying how similar this could be, because we have a wayward former president and Donald Trump who said these things about the Constitution. So one, I want to say something humorously about the situation. If we could bring together, I just saw Joe Biden on TV. They have the Kennedy Center honors today, and they got all these wonderful people, Gladys Knight from Gladys Knight and the Pips. Amy Grant, George Clooney, you two, all these people being honored. I think Tom Hanks was there. And I see all this stuff happening, you know, on TV. And I thought of what you were presenting with this in the Constitution, that our former president keeps going into um, these extreme ideas. And what, what struck me was if our current president, okay, Joe Biden, were to take up this as an offer, so to speak, just in the moment, if if Joe Biden were to suspend the Constitution, he could throw the former president in jail or just do some kind of a thing. If there's no Constitution, the former president sort of put out there. Now, my point in all this is, why does the former president say all of these odd, strange, or whatever things? Because his whole approach has always been, and this has been recognized by so many different people, he did the apprentice and the celebrity apprentice for 14 years. Every particular day of his presidency for four years, he had decided within his family and his staff was going to be like an episode of either the apprentice or the celebrity apprentice. And that's how most people who voted for him knew him. They didn't know him as I did or Wayne, you know, from a big city like New York where I was born. You saw all the headlines for these years. He is known to his tens of millions of people. Oh, there's the guy. Donald Trump, you know, the art of the deal, casinos, bigger than life, plus being on TV all the time. So who is he actually talking to? Like, I, I, we're looking at this as how absurd from a political standpoint is it for any former president of any kind to say, let's suspend the Constitution. He's not talking to the American public. He's talking to his crowd of people who want to destroy the country or overturn, you know, or that he was really, he was really elected and so on. 
So that brings up, unfortunately, the the QAnon crowd, the MAGA crowd, and so on. The more outrageous things that we hear, we're not going to seriously, you know, we, we can't seriously think of the former president and actually have a long-term discussion because he wants us to do those very things as a kind of, you know, if it was Ed, then we see somebody twirling plates, right? And we, how can they do that? And they don't break. So whether it's, a, you know, a sort of magician trying to make like David Copperfield, and he got into trouble for this. Hey, I'm going to make the Statue of Liberty disappear. And I got to see David Copperfield a couple of years ago. And it's very amazing what he's able to do as you're sort of watching it, like, wow, this is incredible. And that's what Donald Trump has been able to do, both before being president, during his presidency, and after. So that's my first comment. And I find the whole thing with Teddy Roosevelt interesting from the standpoint of what you said, the Bull Moose Party, and we can go back to how that became so disruptive in the time period of 1908 and 1912 when Teddy Roosevelt decided William Taft was his guy. And then he didn't like William Taft for those four years. And like you said, he craved the Bull Moose Party in 1912, handed the presidency to Woodrow Wilson, who Teddy Roosevelt pretty much despised. And we had Wilson as president for eight years. And uh, and then eventually Teddy Roosevelt died sort of alone on Long Island. I guess it's Oyster Bay. He was about 60 years old. And I, I saw what, what you were saying there. It's, there are similarities of a Teddy Roosevelt loving the limelight, being larger than life, having this kind of enormous individuality, you know, a hundred plus years ago. What's that? How about that name-calling tendency that Teddy Roosevelt had, calling Taft Fat Man and and Chubby Cheek? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, you know, here's the difference. There was no television. Radio was just being invented in 1903. This is a guy, you know, again, you know, we've talked about this privately, and we had a discussion literally in the last 24 hours about fate and destiny. And the thing I love, you know, look, Donald Trump was destined to be president of the United States to test all of us. I've said this before. I, I am not somebody who favors who he is or who he was. But I have never seen any president that I've ever looked at. I don't know Martin Van Buren's chart backwards and forwards, okay? I've studied a lot of, you know, Garfield. I've studied McKinley. I've studied Teddy Roosevelt, Washington, Lincoln, you know, FDR, Carter, Nixon, JFK, all of these different presidents and all the modern presidents. But there's never been a chart that I've looked at that is more closely aligned with the United States chart than Donald Trump. And so that begs the question, what is the lesson? And this is the thing I have looked at, as you know, in Welcome to Planet Earth for 20 years, the magazine we were part of that I was able to publish on what we call mundane Earth Astrology in the 80s and 90s. How are these people chosen? Aside from just a Republican Party, a Democrat Party, a Progressive Party, an Independent Party, a Whig Party, whatever the parties have been, why do these figures, with their astrological charts and their energies, why do they come to power, right? And we both love a particular person, a great astrologer, Grant Louis Astrology for the Millions, heaven knows what, lived a short life, very connected to where you got an education. And, you know, we honor that particular person, Grant Louis. He was brilliant, particularly, you know, in terms of political astrology. 
And the whole thing, remember how he would have this, one of those chapters, Men of Destiny. Now, he could have called it Men and Women of Destiny, right? But he had this thing, and it was all about Franklin Roosevelt's 12 years rise to power, exactly during Adolf Hitler's rise to power. They both went through the same cycle, 1933 to 1945. I mean, talk about parallels of reality. So the question is, we have a U.S. chart that, that Brother Wayne here has focused on with his book, um, and I will mention it again, um, which is being um, – why don't you say the name of your book? Because I don't have it in front of me. It's in the other room. Please please say that to everybody right now. It, the book is War, Impulse, Pattern. And then it's a primer to right. Not on the Map. And Not on the yeah. Map, of course, is a quote that, that the German uh, – um, astronomer made when the planet Neptune was discovered. So the connection of the quote connects to uh, the United States horoscope and connect to uh, the way I'm seen uh, through astrological eyes, uh, the United States military for 240 years. Okay. And this is perfect because you wrote to me also, the Neptune that is stationary this weekend and where the guy wrote this article who knows nothing about the astrology, right? At least we, you know, we're probably pretty sure that that Neptune is exactly returned in the chart of Theodore Roosevelt as the guy brings up the parallel, right? He's born in 1857. Teddy Roosevelt is born when Neptune, which has a 165-year cycle, is now back to where it was when Teddy Roosevelt was, was born. That's correct. And Teddy right. Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, his Neptune at 22 of Pisces right. is with minutes of where Neptune in the sky is right now, within minutes. Well, and, and if he does have the Gemini rising, and even if he doesn't, this yeah. well, think about this. He has Jeff Jupiter at 21 plus a, Ju- a Gemini, which is the U.S. Mars. The guy is born, Teddy Roosevelt, with Neptune opposite the U.S. Neptune from 1776. So when he comes to power, and this is my little pet thing about, you know, and I have to mention this. I don't know if I mentioned it before in the previous one. Let's just be clear about something, because I talk to Wayne all the time about John F. Kennedy. And we know in John F. Kennedy, I mean, there's so much tragedy and so much hope with with his short administration of a thousand days. When he came to power, John F. Kennedy was 43. It was like, that's a really young age. You know, Barack Obama became president of 47. We get these presidents like Ronald Reagan was 69. Now we've got... 80-year-old Joe Biden, and if Donald Trump, constitution or no constitution, is going to think of, you know, he's already declared, and if somehow gets that nomination, you know, escapes the Justice Department and is able to run, he's going to be, he's born in 1946, he would be 78, and a Joe Biden would be 82. That's unheard of. Anyway, back to Teddy Roosevelt, just briefly. McKinley is president, 1890, he wins the 1896 election. I don't remember his vice president, but in 1897, he has a vice president. It's not Theodore Roosevelt. We get that Spanish-American war. Teddy Roosevelt becomes famous, comes out of New York. We both we have both studied his chart. He was, uh, you know, chief of the New York Police Department. His wife and his, and, his, and his mother die within one day of each other. He has an amazing kind of life. He goes and fights, you know, the San Juan Hill, the Rough Riders, the Spanish-American War. And what happens in the Republican Party under McKinley is, Teddy Roosevelt is too popular. They don't like him. I've watched hours and hours of this thing. 
The party doesn't like him, but it's like we need something. Well, he's put on the ticket. And when they start in 1901, really the beginning of the 20th century, in that point, March 4th, you know, 1901, McKinley and Theodore Roosevelt. And then in September, Roosevelt gets shot in Buffalo. And it takes like nine days, whatever it is. Uh, maybe it's a little less than nine days. And I, as I told Brother Wayne, it is absolutely a point of fate and destiny that Theodore Roosevelt winds up becoming president, taking the oath so many days after the shooting, while McKinley is lingering, right? And they hope that he'll recover. He doesn't. And on the day that Saturn, the planet of time and traditionally of fate and destiny, stops in the sky. And this leads right back to now. But at any rate, then Theodore Roosevelt becomes president, the youngest president ever, still now, 42 years and 11 months, even younger than JFK, and then goes for that seven-year cycle and gets all these different awards, and then goes into this other stuff, like, like Wayne just brought up. Bull Moose Party, doesn't like Taft, winds up making the Republicans lose, and then the Democrat, Woodrow Wilson, comes in, which brings back the story from now. And that's why Saturn comes in there, as it always does in astrology in all of our charts. We all have a Saturn. And Saturn can be our vulnerability, and it can also represent right timing or destiny, sort of calling upon the young Theodore Roosevelt. Guess what? You know, you're not just doing this rough riding stuff and being this popular person, but now you're going to be president of the United States. So, so, so you know, and the same thing, like, why do we have Donald Trump? Why is he saying things like, well, let's just throw the Constitution out? Of course, nobody's going to do that. I mean, let me me put one other point here, and then I'd like your response to this, because this is leading into so many different things. If you ever want, one of the other points we want to talk about is the Supreme Court, okay, and that's going to come up as point two. And um, Trump has been losing a lot of these battles with the Supreme Court, but he's the one with three people on there who are basically all conservatives, right? And now we're going to have a case coming up, apparently Wednesday, which is the full moon, Sagittarius and Gemini, and the sun opposite this Mars retrograde. So we're going to talk about some of that this hour and and the part two. But the thing is, is that this is where, like, why does somebody say, can you imagine Joe Biden, currently the president, if he just, I mean, it's impossible to say, what if he was at a press conference and said, you know what, and said this, right, what Trump just said, I think we should just suspend the Constitution. Well, then you'd have Kamala Harris saying we need to have a gathering of everybody in the cabinet because our president has gone loopy, right? That that would be the actual reality of any actual president. What if Reagan had said it? What if Nixon had said it? What if any president who is in office said, you know what, let's just get rid of the Constitution? Mark, well, I mean, so, go ahead. Mark, and, and why this moment with Neptune standing still in the sky at 22 right. degrees? of Pisces is so significant is that when the Constitution, the, the, the generally acknowledged uh, date of the Constitution is September 17, uh, uh, 1787. Now, Mark and I, we talk about when it was actually ratified by the last state, but that's the date that's in the history books. And when you look at where the sun was at that point in time, it was at uh, 24 degrees of Virgo. So what is right. what, what 
moment is basically, for us astrologers, is there is a Sun-Neptune opposition in the U.S. Constitution horoscope. And, and Mark and I have been talking for, for weeks now about how significant those oppositions with the Sun yeah. by Alpha are. And, right. you know, it's, this is, was not an afterthought. I just thought at the end I'd say, oh, by the way, we just talked about Roosevelt, we just talked about yeah. Donald J. And we just talked right. about the space horoscope. Well, let's throw in the fact that the Constitution is getting Neptune exactly opposed to its sun. And it's like, it's like, where do you start? Go ahead. Yeah, well, this brings up the pet subject that Brother Wayne and I, I think we've shared this before. We probably did, I'm not exaggerating, 40 or 50 private conversations that led to our deciding, hey, why don't we do something? Let's call it out of bounds. Right. I mean, we, we had these things that we were doing the last couple of years and suddenly it was like, hey, it's, it's kind of like how Seinfeld began, you know, like when they bring up that thing where they decide to go to NBC on, on the show, on their own show, which is already on NBC. And they do this thing. Why don't we create a show? And, which is what Jason Alexander, is, you know, George on the show says to Jerry, well, what would the show be? And they're sitting at the monks, you know, thing. And then George says, it'll be a show about nothing. And Jerry says, nothing? Yeah, it's like this. We're just having this conversation. Well, why would NBC do that? And then George says, because all the TV shows are about something. We'll just do this. We'll just do nothing. <laughs> now, now I, of course, what, what, what Wayne and I are doing is not nothing. Although to <laughs> the scientists of the world, we've had to deal with like, oh, you believe in astrology. And to the people in the religious conservative world, it's like, oh, you're a tool of the devil. I mean, I'm just being honest here. So we have had to, any professional astrologer. You know, I mean, I think anyone listening who's an astrologer or anyone listening who's a beginner, and to me, is like, you know, you sit down this path of astrology, numerology, metaphysics, it's a lonely road. I mean, you got yeah. we've got our colleagues, and we have our handful of people. But it's like, to be honest, you know, Wayne and I are older. We've been involved with this, you know, me 50 years, Wayne 40 plus years, whatever the time period is. We've dedicated our whole lives to this. And in many ways, it's put us into kind of an extreme small group of people. Because who can we converse with? And again, we're, this is about the sixth episode, although we record so many. And just before we started recording today, we were talking about, well, how do we refine what we're doing? We want to present as many charts you know, that you can look up online. And let me just at least say this on Astroscope at Great Bear Enterprises, where we have now 106 podcasts. The charts that we'll still be talking about part two, uh, we're going to have this full moon in, in three days. Okay, December 7th, very powerful, Sun and Sagittarius, Moon and Gemini conjuncting the Mars that's retrograde and the Sun-Mars opposition. And Wayne and I spoke about this a lot in like two podcasts ago. And the charts are all there uh, that you can find, charts like this full Moon, Sun opposite Mars, when Mars stopped on October 30th to go uh, retrograde. And the, the big one will be January 12th, when Mars is on the United States Uranus at nine of Gemini, which has a lot to do with our concerns about nuclear energy and surprises and shockwaves, as well as scientific discoveries like what James Webb Telescope and all these things of Artemis and high-tech things. So it's a dual-edged sword, and Mars is going to be hanging out 
at this um, America's amazing Uranus degree. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're tuning in. Um, the thing I want to bring up just briefly is, which is fascinating, because I brought just up Saturn was not moving when Teddy Roosevelt actually became the youngest president. And we know Saturn rules older age. And now he's been brought up 100 from the time that he became president in 1901. It's 121 years ago, right? And we just you know, realized that Neptune has returned in his chart, as Brother Wayne said. It's opposing the United States Neptune. But we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the discovery of Neptune, September 23rd, 1846. And this is the quandary that Brother Wayne and I have had for years. When Neptune is discovered, of the three outer planets, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, one in 1781, Neptune, 1846, Pluto, 1930. It's only when Neptune is discovered, as he shared by Johann Gall and two other um, uh, astronomers, one in England, one in France, with all their, these mathematics, that Saturn is with Neptune. They're in the same degree in Aquarius, which is basically the United States moon in Aquarius with Pallas, Athena, and now this other planet called Quaor out beyond Pluto. So the U.S. chart is filled with this Aquarian energy, and lo and behold, in 1846, and, you know, I mean, we can't go into all of this, but that the discovery of Neptune and the fact that Neptune is not moving now the fact that, you know, we're bringing in a former president says, let's just dispense with the Constitution. And you you just said the the son of the Constitution from September 17, 1787 is a Virgo son. And the Neptune is exactly opposing that right now. Is that what you're saying? Right. That's what I'm saying. So we got Neptune opposite the U.S. Neptune on the vertical line of the U.S. chart. If you want to look there, it's about 20 uh, 24 Virgo at the top, 24 Pisces. And all this year, Neptune hardly moving is going back and forth at what we call the IC, which is interesting because that's root, home, and foundations of the country. And a former president, Donald Trump, as I said, who has so many connections to our chart and has put three conservative people on with the help of, um, you know, the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who's now, you know, exactly not a fan of Donald Trump. And they, they're talking about being rivals, even though they're supposedly part of the Republican Party together. And now we have never had the situation of, a, of, of somebody, a president, uh, you know, a, a would-be president. But the point is, it's so utterly absurd, right? Who is he talking to? He's only really talking, this is like a communication to the Proud Boys, to the Q people, and so on. Everyone who believes that Donald Trump was unfairly treated, that he really won the presidency, that's the communication of this weekend. And one other point, Neptune is fantastic. If we, as a higher octave of Venus, of love and spirituality, and all these wonderful qualities, okay, of idealism and nobility and so on, when it works well. It also rules over things like socialism and communism and mass movements of all kinds. And there can be mass movements that are very destructive where things disintegrate and the whole idea of invisibility and things falling apart and disintegrating is a shadow of Neptune. And so what I see happening, and I, you know, I don't want to speak for you. You can say what, what you feel about this. Again, it's such an outrageous thing. But guess what? A couple of days from now, I don't know if he'll be able to top it, Wayne. How do you top this? 
of this weekend with <laughs> let's get rid of the Constitution. But I'll bet you anything he'll figure out another thing that makes even this comment sound, and this is where you go with this kind of craziness, even more weird. There's got to be one of the trick in the book where even more weird is like right even like let's let's get rid of not just the constitution but let's get rid of the congress and the supreme court and only have me donald trump as president maybe that could be more weird and on that point mark (laughs) stay tuned Well, yeah. And well, because this leads to the Supreme Court. Let me just tee this one up. Okay, I don't remember the exact name, Moore versus Harper, whatever it is. The essence of what's about to happen in the Supreme Court is the following. And uh, I just couldn't believe that this is going to happen. Opening arguments, unless something changes this Wednesday. Why would that happen? Why would this thing about Trump and the Constitution or no Constitution happen with Neptune not moving? Secondly, in three days, there'll not only be the sun and moon opposite, which Brother Wayne and I already talked about in a previous Out of Bounds, but the sun going opposite Mars retrograde in Gemini, which Mars does not, it's, Mars is kind of like Venus in the sense that this is not Mercury retrograde three times a year for three weeks at a time. Whether you believe that Mercury retrograde is good or bad or whatever it is, my feelings, I've made my feelings known for 50 years that I do not like this whole thing of retrogrades. Okay. What I mean is it's not that they don't, they aren't happening. It's not that, that you shouldn't review and reflect. It's just that Mercury has is, is become the be all and end all, whereas Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, Chiron are going retrograde five months out of every year and nobody cares about it. Nobody squawks about it. Mars retrograde, like, well, back to one thing, Venus went retrograde and conjoined Pluto a couple of times at the end of last year. And we're, to, we're about to have Venus conjunct Pluto literally on New Year's Eve when we're all wanting to think of what wonderful things can happen in 2023 so that we're not in this kind of Ukraine war and nuclear fears and so on. Venus is not going to be alone. It's going to be with Pluto at the end of Capricorn. And Mercury will be retrograde. But now we're dealing with Mars retrograde, which only happens about every two years. It happens in different places. And it is the planet of initiative and drive and assertion and leadership and so on. But when it is shadowy, it can be war and volatility. Go ahead. And Mark, we need to mention that for those astrologically savvy people who understand what an out of bounds, an extreme out of bounds planet adds to the mix. Right. Mars is currently around plus 25 degrees um, uh, of, 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 of elevation. Yeah. In the, and so that just adds to what Mark has just pointed out, besides the fact that this is the 130th Mars return in the U.S. history. In 245 years, the, co- the right. country is 130. And so there are lots of, we watch this all the time. We watch, if you see one indication, look for 10 more that are connected to that. And here we go. And Mark, Mark I just want this to, to, to the emphasis that you put on what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, a Michael Ludich, uh, a former federal judge who is highly... Affected by both parties. Right. He said the following. This is his quote. 
and this is this is his quote. You would he's not known for hyperbole. He said this right. is the single most important case on American democracy or American democracy in the nation's history. Well, well, let me, let me throw in there. Yeah, I, I've seen him on TV. This is important so that we articulate it. And I want to go back to you because it's barked back to the Constitution. So, we're, you know, a lot of this theme with Neptune opposing the son of the Constitution from September 17, 1787, and Neptune opposing our own Neptune from 1776. So here's what's going to be um, presented at the court. It goes into this extreme view that was brought up by one of Donald Trump's lawyers, okay, who was trying to say the state legislatures in the Constitution, because of the actual wording, so I just want to get this out and then have your comment, Wayne. So what's going to be presented, and the Supreme Court, you know, sometimes rejects things. They've been rejecting a lot of, like, Trump wants to do this, and the Supreme Court has the ability to say, no, we're not going to bring it before the court. This is going to be, has already been decided. So this is going to happen apparently Wednesday, and I couldn't believe that it would happen at the full moon, sun opposite Mars. What they want to do, okay, from the extreme conservative viewpoint, and we already know that Roe versus Wade was overturned from Samuel Alito's views, where he's going back hundreds of years to witches, and referring to witches in England and Scotland and so on, about the whole thing. And this is not a joke. You know, Roe versus Wade has been overturned. And the only way to sort of put it back is actually in Congress to sort of overrule the Supreme Court, which is sort of what what the extremists in the court tried to do, say, hey, you want to make a law? You know what I mean? Then get yourselves together, Republicans, Democrats and independents, and put it on the books that a woman has the right, you know, to have a, a a choice. Okay. So now back to what this is. Instead of being able to have the elections the way we now have them, where the we have an electoral college, and whoever gets the most actual votes in the state, okay, for, to go back over the how we do this in America, even if the states are close, and they do, you know, once in a while, we have to have a recount, like what happened in Florida, you know, in 2020. Did Gore win or Bush win? They had to do that whole thing with the hanging chads, and that, decided, that went to the Supreme Court for 36 days. Now they want to go back to the language of the Constitution that originally said that state legislatures, because this is the way it was written in 1789, they're the group of people who sort of do all this stuff. Because in 1789, we didn't have a society where everybody was just voting. And first of all, let's remember who were voting. It wasn't women. It weren't minorities, uh, except for the three-fifths rule with all of this stuff, which was, you know, another crazy thing that happened with the Constitution of uh, slaves, not women slaves, black slaves. Three, you know, they had they argued this for days, if not weeks. We should it be two-thirds? Should it be? I mean, talk about, you know, these are people who, you know, get into a whole other topic. You know, the James Madisons of the world, you know, all these different people became president in the beginning were slave owners. And they're trying to figure out, well, who gets to vote? They weren't thinking women. Women didn't get to vote till 1920. Whatever's going on in the Supreme Court that happened with Roe versus Wade, like you just said, Michaelistic and so on. And I've heard this. And there's so many people. And I hope to, and pray that we will not have uh, Kavanaugh and I'm going to forget the other guy. And um, the, the three people 
um, join Kavanaugh and Amy, whatever her name is, sorry, join Clarence Barrett, Thomas and Alito. Yeah, Barrett, if they get five votes and we get the three liberals, which are in there, and I know for sure, I mean, there's no way on earth the Supreme Court justice who is now wishing he could hide in a hole, okay? <laughs> he doesn't want to be known, you know, as the leader of this whole thing. And I have a, another point we could have a comment about. I think he should just resign on principle, and we and Biden could choose a new Supreme Court justice. I think that would be the greatest gift that he could give Roberts right now and say, look, I'm washing my hands of this whole thing. This is all getting ridiculous, you know, and make a statement and sort of chastise every extremist out there, including the people on his own court. Now, I'm just saying this freely, you know, spontaneously, but I've been thinking about it for a long time. And I've studied John Roberts' charts. He has a very strong Chiron that's connected to he's an Aquarius. He could just turn everything around. And instead of hearing Donald Trump or Joe Biden or anybody else, any extreme right-wingers or left-wingers or whoever it would be, if the, if the person in charge of the Supreme Court was put on by George Bush number two would stand up and say, look, I don't need this anymore. I don't have to do this. I'm going to say something on principle of the country, particularly after this Constitution thing. You know, and you know as well as I do. I mean, I don't... Wayne is always saying, is that a prediction? Very often what, what Brenda Wayne shares with me And then a couple of days later, it happens because he shares something with Korans and alignments and knowing the U.S. chart. And then there's something that has been happening to me privately. I'll say something here. And then the next day, whoa, wow, that's almost the same thing that I was thinking about. Not that that either one of us knows what's going to happen, but that we have our finger on the pulse of these alignments. And more often than not, something seems to, you know, just often come up. And look, I'm not, I can't predict every thing that's going to happen. I certainly would not have predicted that Donald Trump would say, let's get rid of the Constitution. You know what I mean? <laughs> Where all that comes from, I don't know. But anyway, back to one other point so we don't forget. So the state legislatures, if they were to rule five to four, six to three, or whatever it is, what would happen would be, and again, I don't even know how the country would function if the Supreme Court would do that. But my last point would be the next election it wouldn't matter whether Michigan was like 200,000 more votes for Biden over Trump, assuming it's those two people. If the state legislature is re- ruled by Republicans, they can say, sorry, we don't believe in that. We're ruling for Trump. And then you could have Nevada and Georgia and so on. And this was brought up by Trump's um, supporters. And that's what is actually going to get decided probably in the spring after this um, these initial arguments. All right. Back Let's to you. St- Let's step out into the garden, Mark. Right. Okay. Yeah, uh, we're going to be shifting gonna... into part two in a minute, in a couple minutes. But why don't you have a closing? Okay, this is real. Something. This is real quick. Uh, yeah. I, I brought something that was talking about Jules Verne. Jules Verne, the author, yeah. who wrote all of those fantastic uh, Twenty Leagues Below the Sea. You know, journey to the moon journey to back, the center of the earth. Journey to the center of the earth, and uh, you know, um, Jules Verne. Uh, he was from another age. Eighteen twenty-eight. He was born in February. Right. But right. what he did in his book, uh, 
where he is talking about the earth to the moon, he does some amazing things that would seem prescient. One, he names the ship the Columbia. Two, it takes off from Florida. Right, I remember that. (laughs) Uh, And you know, when you look at these coincidences, uh, given what Mark and I know, even even you know the layperson, we know that our Cape Canaveral and Cape uh, Kennedy is in Florida. But what astrologers can do is they can say, well, there's something underlying that reality, that map of reality, astrologically speaking. And that is the Uranus line for the United States. And Uranus has to do with inventions and uh, radical developments, uh, um, literally space travel. And so we we can look at we can look at that situation of you know the launch site not only being in Vandenberg and Houston and other places, but that for the last fifty years they have been in Florida, and and see that Uranian connection, but. I, I just thought it was fascinating, given that the Artemis mission is now turning around the moon and headed back. And so right. with Neptune, uh, the spaciest of, of space planets out there, uh, stationary in the sky, Neptune has everything to do with the expanse of the universe. We have this speck coming home from space. Oh. Okay, well, you just led me into the, here's how we're going to close. You you probably intuited this. Back in 1990, and by the way, I was missing a couple of my own Welcome to Planet Earth. Wayne was very kind to send me. Aries 1990, cover. Um, the 1990s, Renaissance or Apocalypse, where I have Christianity and Islam. And on page three, the 1990s, this is under the prophecies of Nostradamus, Renaissance or Apocalypse. And I put in Michelle Nostradamus's chart, and you just teed this up perfectly, because Nostradamus, who was a doctor, who was like a, I mean, he did so many different things for his 50 plus years, but he is the one more as an astrologer. If we want to say of all the people, to me, I, I'm not saying I know every great astrologer of the last 500 years, but with his quatrain, he said things that are Definitely, they're not false. Pastor, he mentions the name in the 1700s, 200 years after he died. He mentions the man who Montgolfier creates the hot air balloon in his quatrains in French in the 1500s. He mentions Franco, who becomes the dictator of Spain. Now, those three are names in there. Why bring this up is because I coordinated Jules Verne's chart in the Cancer 1990 issue of Prophecies of Nostradamus, Nostradamus and Jules Verne, a fascinating parallel. Now, I've been studying reincarnation um, for over 50 years, and I don't like to force either my clients or listeners, if you don't believe in reincarnation, so you don't. However, studying Edgar Cayce, Rudolf Steiner, the Tibetan Master DK, where I work at at Lucis Trust, Findhorn, all these places. Independently, I've been studying reincarnation. There is no doubt in my mind, and you just validated this for me 
about Jules Verne, Journey to the Center of the Earth, 20,000 Leagues Under Sea. He was my main science fiction guy before H.G. Wells. You know, uh, The Time Machine, The Invisible Man, and so on. I tuned into Jules Verne when I was a younger person, and I wasn't into astrology. The charts of Verne, February 8, 1828, and the charts of Nostradamus show unbelievable connections, particularly in the sign Scorpio. And you brought up Teddy Rosa, it's the sun in Scorpio uh, earlier. So Scorpio is a sign of mysteries and so on. It's just like, for instance, just to give you an example, folks. I believe that the moon has a lot to do with who we are in the past because it has a lot to do with our instincts and emotions. So get this. And these charts are exact. When Nostradamus is born, uh, in 1503, his moon is at 15 plus the Scorpio. When Jules Verne, who's also French, by the way, February 8, 1828, the moon is at 14 plus the Scorpio. Their moons are one degree apart out of 360 degrees. They also have a whole bunch of other things going on. One of the other things, just to bring this up, is in the sign of cancer, okay, which is the key first water sign that has a lot to do with the past. Nostradamus was born with a Jupiter-Saturn-Mars triple conjunction in the sign of Cancer, which is America's birth sign. His Saturn, this is Nostradamus in 1503, his Saturn is 15 of Cancer, and Jules Verne has his Saturn at 14 of Cancer. Well, Roger has talked about Moon and Saturn in all of our charts being the key of identity of who we are for various reasons. Saturn is kind of like the ego, the structure of who we are, and the Moon is the container. This is in books that Brother Wayne and I have read a whole lot, particularly The Lunation Cycle and some other books by Rudyard, who was my main male teacher. And now you've just let it, you know, we weren't planning this. There was no plan to talk about Nostradamus and Jules Verne. You teed it up. I just grabbed these two magazines that you sent to me because they were missing. Because I still want to do this and I want to share. I even forgot. One other point. I forgot. I'm 72. I forgot, like, about two years ago, and I thought, you know, I want to coordinate Nostradamus, Jules Verne. Brother Wayne, and to everyone listening, I forgot that I already did this in these articles from 1990. I can't remember everything I've ever written, but you just brought it up. And this just shows that there are historical figures. Maybe, you, you know, you know, you know the standard joke? Well... Oh, maybe you were Cleopatra in another life, or Julius Caesar, where, like, you were a famous person. Well, have all of us been at some point in time in some remote part of the world, if we go back to Atlantis and so on, over hundreds, if not thousands and thousands of years, have we all been, maybe at one point, a fairly well-known man or woman? Probably. We've also probably been complete unknowns and everything in between, right? But whatever history is, people have stood out. And this is just fascinating that you brought this up, because... Had you not brought it up in the way you did about he meant that Jules Verne was able to predict things through his science fiction, right? That would have been a progression of the Nostradamus, who was not a science fiction writer. He had a different role to play in the 1500s. And if he did come back as a soul, as Jules Verne, that would show how he evolved, but yet was still able to see into the future. Back to you. You want to... Close down the first one hour. Go right ahead. No, uh, I think we're going to close. Just okay. 
Okay, well, in, in part two, I want to, we're going to bring up some sports stuff and some movie stuff that I have in a little list here. So, folks, um, we're going to come back in a little bit. I will not reread the introduction, but I will mention when we come back for part two that this is the second part of Podcast 107, Out of Bounds, Two Guys Talking Sports and Astrology. So thank you for listening, and we'll be back with part two in just a, a few minutes for our time, and hope you enjoyed part one. Okay, bye for now. You have a closing thing that you like to share, though. Do you have that in front of you or not? Oh, yeah. Well, I can share it now. I can share it a lot. Uh, Folks, find your place, seize the time, and live your life as art. Okay. Well, you heard it. So we're ending part one. We'll be back with part two. Thank you for listening, everybody. Many blessings. Bye for now. Mm -hmm. 